So the reading is Daniel 7, uh, verses 1 to 28, which is on page 892. So, starting at verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying on his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a man, and the heart of a man was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looks like a leopard. And on on its back, it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked... And there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His hair was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was coming, was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain, and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there, and asked him the true meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kingdoms that will rise from the earth, but the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others and most terrifying with its iron teeth and bronze claws the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up, before which three of them fell. 
the horn that looked more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the saints and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favour of the saints of the Most High. And the time came when they possessed the kingdom. He gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and the laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. But the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the rulers will worship and obey him. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what's happened to Daniel? One to six, all these wonderful chapters of uh, lions and fires, and now it's gone all weird. Well, um, it's been a real joy for me to um, be in Daniel chapter seven this week. I've absolutely loved it, so I hope that that is your experience this evening, but we need the Lord's help, so uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have been singing of your greatness and the praise that is due to your name. And yet, we thank you, Lord, for your grace that you stoop down to us in Christ and you stoop down to speak to us through your word. And we pray this evening as we look at this chapter of beasts that you might encourage our hearts and point us to your son. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. I wonder, have you ever had a dream that's uh, left you when you woke up in a cold sweat? They tend to happen, these dreams, when you're worried about something. You know, a presentation at work, uh, an exam, or just something else that's really playing on your mind. And as you dream, everything that you fear happening plays out in your mind. It is literally the stuff of nightmares. Uh, And in fact, the, the dream is so disturbing that when you wake up, you actually feel slightly emotionally affected by the dream. You sort of say to yourself, it's just a dream, it's just a dream. And it actually, it, it's been such an experience that it, it niggles at you. It's affected you. Uh, if you've ever had a dream like that, then you'll better resonate with Daniel. Because Daniel in chapter 7 has a dream just like that. Verse 1, it, it takes place in the year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. So this has taken us back a little bit. What we're about to uh, read happened to Daniel somewhere in between chapters 4 and 5 of the narrative. Uh, Daniel's terrifying dream is uh, a bit like we're entering a fantasy world, isn't it? 
This type of literature in the Bible is called apocalyptic literature. And it's a mixture of poetry, imagery, and narrative. And and it's designed to paint a vivid picture of the future. And what we're going to see in this dream is two distinct scenes, two distinct pictures of the future of God's people. And the first scene reveals this. God's people will live in the terrifying chaos of earthly kingdoms. The first scene, look at verses 2 to 3, describes four great beasts that rise up out of the churning sea. In the thinking of the day, the sea was something to be feared. It was a place of unknown depths and creatures. It was a place that was hostile and dangerous. It was a place of chaos. So it's significant that these four beasts emerge out of the chaos. This is a picture of four beasts who have set themselves up against the control of God. As we look at these beasts, try and imagine what it would be like to come face to face with one of them. The first beast, verse 4, was like a lion. It had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, torn off and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a man and the heart of a man was given to it. I mean, lions can look quite cute, can't they? But when they rear up aggressively and they're looking at you, there's nothing cute about a lion. If you're face to face with this creature, you would be scared. The second beast is no better, verse 5. This one is like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. Again, this bear is on its feet. It's reared up, ready to attack. And in its mouth, well, its mouth is dripping with blood of ribs of its last kill. And this bear is told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. This bear is a bloodthirsty bear who has a thirst for flesh. The third beast, verse 6, looks like a leopard. And on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads and it was given authority to rule. This beast might not be dripping with blood, but it's no less terrifying. Its wings mean it can move anywhere quickly. Its four heads means it can see in every direction all of the time. The rule of this beast is inescapable. doesn't matter how fast or far you run, it will get you. We are told in verse 17 that these four beasts are the four kingdoms, are four kingdoms that will rise from the earth. And uh, many have speculated about which earthly kingdoms these beasts represent. And there are some clues in the text, but if it wasn't important for Daniel to know the precise details, it's probably not important for us. What is important is that these kingdoms, these terrifying beasts, have set, them up, set themselves up against God and nothing will stand in their way. And just when you think it can't get much worse, look at verse 7. 
After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening, and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims, and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. I mean, this beast makes the other ones look like cute little kittens on Instagram. This beast is terrifying. This is a beast that crushes and devours and tramples on anything that would stand in its way. Horns in the Bible are a sign of strength. Uh, I think it's true that most animals with horns have two. This beast has ten. I mean, this beast is like something out of an apocalyptic horror movie. Occasionally you, you hear those tragic stories, don't you, of people who um, somehow manage to fall into a lion or tiger enclosure. And just imagine the absolute fear that they would have as they see the beasts running towards them, knowing what could happen. I mean, if you can imagine that fear, I think you get a sense of the fear that Daniel had before these beasts. As Daniel thinks about the the horns on the fourth beast, verse 8, There before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them. And three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. This horn speaks. Speaks hostilely towards God. It shows no respect or fear of God. Um, in verse 23, a little bit later on, we, we read the explanation of this fourth beast. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on the earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his saints and try to change the set times and laws. The saints will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. Verse 21, we read that this horn will wage war against the saints. This horn, this beast, will do serious damage to God's people. Again, it's, it's really hard for us to be sure who this 11th horn is supposed to represent. Some people suggest Antiochus Epiphanes, who was a notorious out-of-control ruler who lived around 200 BC, um, who had a, did significant damage to Israel. Or as some people suggest, it could be the Antichrist. We, we don't know. Whoever it is, this kingdom will cause great pain to God's people. Now you think, God could have just told us this stuff. But he doesn't. He gives us these vivid pictures of beasts, this apocalyptic style of literature. And you think, why, why do that? Well, I think it's because God wants us to share Daniel's experience. He wants us to visualise these things. He wants, to be, he wants us to be standing face to face with these beasts feeling the fear and terror. And I think 
God does that because he wants us to learn the same lesson that Daniel needed to learn, that God's people will live in the terrifying chaos of earthly kingdoms. I mean, history's full of the terrifying chaos, isn't it, of kingdoms that are set against God and his people. Just last century, Stalin's Russian regime was responsible for ethnic cleansing, hundreds of thousands of executions, and famines which killed millions. Today, the North Korean regime forbids all, all forms of political dissent and most religious expression. And it's estimated that 100,000 people are living in brutal labour camps. Millions have been killed and millions more in, as a result of conflict and civil wars in places like Syria and in countries across Africa and the world. You may have seen in the, uh, the press that uh, it's been reported that China are having another crackdown, another crackdown on the church in order to stop Christianity growing. Radical Islam is particularly hostile to Christians. And Western government, governments are beginning to head towards legislating to a point where expressing an unpopular opinion can be classed as hate speech. And Daniel 7 says to us, what else did you expect? This is what life in the world will be like. See, kingdoms will rise and kingdoms will fall. And we might think that if a change of government happens or a change of king or regime, then things might be better. But we'll be disappointed. Yes, of course, some kingdoms are better than others. But the norm for God's people is to have to live in the terrifying chaos of earthly kingdoms which are set against God's. I found uh, Daniel 7 this week a really sobering reminder that if you want an easy life, don't be a Christian. If you want to blend in with the world, be popular, receive welcome and praise from others, don't be a Christian. And if, by God's grace, we find that our lives in this country, our lives now as Christians are not as hard as they could be, well, let's praise God, let's give thanks to him. But the Bible gives us no expectation at all that the Christian life will remain easy. If we've understood Daniel's dream, I don't think we'll be surprised when the Christian faith and those who hold to it are pushed to the margins of society, labelled as intolerant or outdated bigots. It's a sobering reminder. But before we get too despondent, there is good news. There is another scene in Daniel's dream. And the second scene is a courtroom scene. And it shows us that while we should expect to live in the terrifying chaos of kingdoms set against God's, God's people will live in the security of his eternal kingdom. If the first scene is marked by terrifying chaos... 
The second scene is marked by calm, control, and authority. Look at verse 9. We're introduced to the Ancient of Days taking his seat in the heavenly courtroom. God is referred to as the Ancient of Days not because he's old and past it, but because there is a permanence and an authority to God. Read what he's like. We hear that his clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. The Ancient of Days is sat on the throne. It's a sign of his rule. His whiteness is a sign of his purity, his holiness. There is no sin in him. His fiery throne, a sign of God's presence and of God's judgment. And he is attended and surrounded by an uncountable multitude. A sign of all eyes looking to his rule and his power and his authority. And they all look at the Ancient of Days waiting expectantly as he opens the books. The books of evidence that will be the basis for God's judgment of the world. See, this second scene shows us the calm authority of God who rules over the chaos of the wind and the waves even when we can't see it. The God who will judge all kingdoms and holds them all accountable. The trouble is Daniel's focus on the courtroom is uh, slightly distracted by verse 11, the little horn on the fourth beast continuing to boast against God. I mean, you can imagine what it's saying. You can't control me. You have no authority over me. And to be honest, given the magnitude of this beast, you'd be inclined to believe him. It's. But Daniel keeps on looking at that, that beast and he sees verse 11, the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. No fights. No epic Lord of the Rings style end battle where you're not quite sure which way it's going to go. No dramas. This gruesome, boastful beast is slain. And verse 12, all the other Beasts are stripped of their authority, but they are allowed to live for a a period of time. That's it. All these other kingdoms gone, dealt with, in a moment. Then Daniel, in his vision, sees someone else enter the courtroom. Look at verse 13. This figure that enters is, is not a beast, but a son of man. A human being. A human being who is able to access the very presence of God, who can approach the Ancient of Days. This Son of Man's kingdom, verse 14, will be unlike any of the kingdoms of the beasts. It will not be limited to one nation or one language, 
It will never be overtaken by a stronger kingdom. It will never be destroyed. This Son of Man isn't terrifying like the beasts. But there is something, something awe-inspiring about him. For he receives his authority and glory and power from the holy and flaming throne of the Ancient of Days. This is a man that you do not mess with. See, Daniel sees in his vision that God's eternal kingdom will come through the Son of Man. And when he does, verse 18, it will be shared with his people. The saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Verse 26. The result of the judgment of God's court is that earthly kingdoms will be destroyed forever. And then the sovereignty, power and greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be handed over to the saints, the people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all rulers will worship and obey him. God's kingdom will be given to his people. There will be rulers, but every ruler will worship and obey the Son of Man and rule under him. See, as we live in the terrifying chaos of kingdoms set against God, we must remember that it will not always be like this. That one day it will be truly different. God will judge The Son of Man will come and we will share in his perfect kingdom. That was what Daniel needed to hear. To keep him going as he lived in a foreign land, surrounded by kings and people who are hostile to God. And it's what we need to hear too. Fast forward with me about 600 years and in Mark's Gospel, turn, with it, turn to me with it, page 1021. Chapter 14, 1021. Because Mark describes another courtroom scene for us. Verse 53. Jesus is on trial in front of the Sanhedrin, that is the religious ruling authority of the time. Uh, Flick over the page to verse 61. After some false evidence is given to try and convict Jesus, they ask Jesus directly, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus' response in verse 63 is striking. I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. I hope the irony of this is not lost on you. The Son of Man who is sent from the heavenly courtroom is now sat in the courtroom of the kingdoms of this world and being judged. And the truly shocking thing here is that the Son of Man who's supposed to come with all authority and glory and power is sentenced to death 
by an earthly kingdom. The earthly kingdom seems to triumph, and yet it is only through Jesus' death on the cross that his kingdom is truly established and shared with us. What looks like defeat for the Son of Man is actually the moment of victory. And Jesus knows that one day, what Daniel saw in his vision will be fully realised. One day Jesus will return, coming through the clouds, and all will be judged. All will be held to account. And all those who have faith in Christ will share in that kingdom. That is the wonderful picture that Daniel receives. Just uh, turn back with me to Daniel chapter 7, page 893. I don't know about you, I kind of expect Daniel to wake up from this and be full of joy. God's kingdom is coming, it will be okay. That's not what he says, is it? Verse 28. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Seems a funny place to end chapter 7 after this wonderful picture, vision of the Son of Man, which gives us such wonderful hope and and confidence. And yet there is something that even with that hope, Living under the rule of beasts is terrifying. I think the danger is sometimes with the wonderful future for God's people ahead, we minimise the potential pain of living in this world today. We are privileged in this country that the pain we experience is less than many of our brothers and sisters uh, face around the world, and we should give thanks to God for that. We have a great hope, but we still live in a terrifying world. Let me uh, draw to a close with this. I think the vision of Daniel asks us a stark question of all of us. And the question is this, which kingdom do you want to be part of? Each of us has a choice. Uh, We said earlier, if you want an easy life, well, don't be a a Christian. Just throw your lot in with the beasts. So they don't come after you. If you want the respect of your classmates, classmates, your coursemates, your friends, your work colleagues, family that don't follow Christ, well, don't be a Christian. Following God is hard. But remember that God rules. And one day Christ, the Son of Man, will return. His kingdom will come. And we will be held accountable before him for our choice. And the consequences are eternal. So Daniel's dream says to us, which kingdom do you want to be part of? And if you choose Christ, and I hope many of you do, all of you do, well, knowing how hard it might be to live in this world, let Daniel be an encouragement to you. And remember, as one writer says, but we know of the Son of Man, who is at the same time the head and shepherd of the fellowship. The shepherd sees the lion coming, and the bear, and the leopards, and the fourth beast, and does not flee.
See, trouble will come, but Jesus Christ won't run. Jesus Christ won't leave us or forsake us. Jesus Christ will look those beasts in the eye and say, I win. My kingdom wins. So let's stick with him. Stick with him, trust him, knowing that one day we will share in his eternal kingdom. Let's pray. Almighty God, all this talk of beasts uh, seems so far from our experience, and yet we thank you for the powerful image it is of the kingdoms of this world, and yet we give you great thanks that the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, has won. And one day his kingdom will be established. Please help us, loving Father, to trust in him, to persevere, so that one day we might share with him in that wonderful kingdom. Amen.